Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight I'm joined by George, and George is a returning guest to the podcast. He came on previously to talk about the Valentich mystery, which is one of Australia's biggest UFO mysteries. And because George came on the show, one of our listeners has actually given us a little bit more information potentially relating to this case. So I thought it was a really, really good opportunity to get George back on uh, to kind of give us a bit of an update on what's happening with this case and the the new information that has kind of been brought to light and maybe how we can maybe reach out to our audience to get a little bit more from them because you just never know where these threads really go. So, uh, George, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back. It's good to be here. Thank you. We've, uh, I like the, having the opportunity. It's very good. Yeah, mate. It's a pleasure to have you back. It's yeah. uh, it's been a little bit of a mission uh, purely because of me and my my schedule, and uh, mm-hmm. nothing was going to hold you back from coming on today. Even uh, <laughs> even yeah. some hernia operations that uh, put you out of action yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you've got to get these little maintenance jobs done. You know, <laughs> but it is. Yep. So they're all all good. All good. Yeah. Firing on all cylinders. help, you know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Work. So, mate, what was the... Um, so, give us the rundown on what yeah. happened here. So, you, you came yeah. on the podcast, a listener reached out to me, and I kind of gave him your details to uh, get in touch oh. with you. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll kind of give the, the floor to was, you. Was, to, that, was that Sarah? It was. I believe it was Sarah, yeah. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great. Gave us well, that info. Sarah- Sarah sent me an email and she said, um, oh, I heard you on the podcast with, um, on the Believe podcast. Um, she said that, um, I went to school in, uh, Coonabarabran and she said, I grew up there, uh, and, um, her, her dad still lives there. Her, her mother unfortunately died. And the tragedy of that is that her mother knew everybody. So her mother would have been the person to ask, but you no, know, her mother died a few years ago, unfortunately. But her dad, she asked her dad, and he, her, her dad is still trying to think if he is familiar with any names that we were able to get. But uh, just, just backtracking a bit, people know about the Vlintich case. We talked about the play disappearing and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, but many years later, uh, Bill Chalker was doing some investigating in Coonabarabran. There was a lot of sighting cases being investigated. And he went there, and almost everybody he spoke to said, you've got to go to the general store or hardware store and see the guy who works there. He's like, Laurie, you've got to go and talk to him. And this is where the story gets kind of weird, because what Laurie did was he, he 
was aware of the fact that in Coonabarabran it's, it's a pretty active UFO active area and he was interested in the subject so he would ask all of his retail customers had they ever had a UFO sighting and if they said yes he would take notes and so he had all these journals of local UFO reports from Coonabarabran and you know Bill no, none of the UFO researchers knew about this but all of the people around Coonabarabran said you've got to go talk to Laurie you've got to go talk to Laurie so Bill and his mate uh, Rob Chilly went up there, and it's a really long drive from Sydney to Coonabarabran, like it's a whole day kind of thing. And and Bill said, oh, yeah, they, they were in this rickety old VW combi, and he said that he thought they were never going to get there. <laughs> but, it, you know, this, the things you do for research, you know, the tragedies, you know, all the potential tragedies you've got to get through to get anything done. Anyway, they got up there, and um, they eventually went and saw this guy, Laurie, Bill actually rang him first before he went up there. He said, look, I'm going to come up and see you. Um, and I have a tape recording of that phone conversation too. Right? Interesting. But um, Bill had a little tape recorder with him and his friend Rob, and uh, they interviewed Laurie. And Laurie said, look, yeah, he's got all these dozens and dozens of UFO sightings cases. But he said, look, but the, the most interesting one of them, the, the whole lot of the sightings he ever recorded, from people was a farmer who'd come up from he used to live in Murray Bridge near Adelaide Murray Bridge and he'd moved up to Coonabarabran and moved in there and he came into the hardware store to get something and and he described how one day it was the day after Fred went missing the very next morning so Fred went missing on the Saturday evening heading down to King Island but the next morning in Murray Bridge, this farmer saw this huge craft hovering above him. He said it was about 30 metres in diameter. He said 90 feet. Well, that's about 30 metres. Yeah. You know, um, huge thing. And um, he thought it was in trouble because uh, it was making a horrible screeching noise. He thought he had trouble with his equipment, but it was actually just uncoupled it, but the noise continued and he couldn't work out what was happening. So I think we might have covered this part of this in the previous one. Yeah, just a, just a little bit we did, but it's still good to go over because there may be people well, who are re- relatively new, and yeah. this is yeah. this is one of the most fascinating aspects of the <laughs> of this whole mystery because I, I remember yeah. reading it in your yeah. book, and my jaw literally <laughs> dropped when when I got to this. I guess well, this chapter of it. It is quite weird, isn't it? It's a very weird story. I mean, for a UFO story. First of all, of Lenti's case is unique in that you have a pilot flying a plane and describing that this thing is chasing him and he can't he can't describe what it is. He tries to describe it, but he, he can't come up with what is it. You know, and if you look at the photo on the cover of the book, Nothing on Radar, the Lenti's mystery, that photo was taken just before Fred flew into that area. That object is a very strange-looking object. Um. And it, and it is, it shows, the photo shows characteristics that are um, compliant with some of the new um, theoretical physics about some kind of new propulsion systems that would generate this little, um, it would ionise the air around the craft. And these are little blue sparkles of ionised air around the craft in the photo. And that's on the cover of the book. So that's interesting because like with our, our physicists are just catching up to the the theory about it but you still can't do it but that's interesting anyway so it gets weirder and weirder first pilot describes he's being buzzed by this thing it's annoying him and then he disappears they don't find anything um but because of what happened the next day through this story that came from the farmer who moved up to Coonabarabran from South Australia or from Mowbridge um he said that he thought this object was going to drop and fall on him, so he ran to the side to get clear of it in case it came down. And it was making this horrible noise. It was a large saucer just hovering above him. And he said when he got to the side clear of it, he could tell that it had a dome on top and he could see a doorway. And he said like a church door, arched, an arched doorway like a church door. He said there was no... Uh, no handle and there were no uh, just a doorway it looked like um, sort of on the side he said it looked like it had a rubber weather seal around the base of the dome 
of like a black strip, like a weather right. strip. Um, that was one of the details. There's a lot of other details. Laurie went into a lot of detail. And the entire audio has, people have put it up on YouTube. You can hear Laurie talking about this. Um, but now, that's weird enough. Now, Laurie describes the farmer coming to the shop and telling him about this UFO case. Only because Laurie asked him, have you ever seen a UFO? And so he, he told him the story about seeing this thing down in Adelaide many years before, but it was the day after Fred went missing. So it seems that the day after Fred went missing, his plane was seen again. It had vanished, but it was seen, but it, down at Murray Bridge. Okay? That, that's kind of strange, but it gets even stranger because... When the farmer was standing there looking at this object, it was slowly rotating and something came into view and it would have looked like a cross stuck to the side of this flying saucer. It was an entire Cessna aircraft stuck to the outside. The wings were flat against the side of it. The tail was hanging down. The engine was at the top. The wheels were sticking out. There was oil running down the outside of this Cessna and it wasn't running. It was just stuck there. He even said the farmer looked to see if there was any ropes or chains holding it on. He couldn't work out why it was just sitting there. But he could see the registration number on the wing, so he scratched it into his tractor with a nail so that he wouldn't forget the number. And it was the number that corresponded with Fred's plane. It was VHDS Joe, Delta Sierra Juliet. And it was the day after he'd gone missing. And it was making horrible screeching noise, and it, it flew off. Over towards the, there was an army base. There, was, there is an army base down there at Murray Bridge, and uh, we have um, verified with the army that there was um, military exercises going on that day. So there's a bit of com- confirmation about that. Excuse me, right? <coughs> a bit of a cough there. Um, so anyway, this this was strange enough. But now, what's happened is. I've got to tell a little bit of a backstory. About 15 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, I was invited to go to a UFO conference in New South Wales. And I hadn't been to a conference in New South Wales before that. Um, And I was asked to give a bit of a talk about Victorian cases because I was running the Australian UFO Research Network Victoria branch at the time. I'd been doing it a few years and I had quite a few interesting little UFO cases that I had been asked to investigate, like that had been sent to me, and I'd spoken to these witnesses, and I had some very, very good cases and intriguing little UFO stories. And the people of New South Wales would never have come across them because I'd investigated them and they hadn't been published or anything. So I went up there, and it was great. This conference was fantastic. I met a whole lot of really interesting people and a lot of other researchers, and I had a ball, and I I had a good time, too, uh, giving my talk. I had a little bit of a sort of a PowerPoint presentation and stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed myself. It was great. Um, Now, there was about 200 people at this conference. And I remember thinking that, yeah, I'll be all right. But, you know, um, I thought I might be a little bit nervous talking to these people, but I'll be okay, you know. I come back from this conference and um, there's this barbecue one afternoon I was invited to this barbecue in Camberwell and there's a few people that went to the UFO meetings in those days um, <clears throat> having this barbecue at their home and there was a few UFO researchers there and I went along and one of them was Brenda Brenda Butler um, she has been running a support group for you for contactees, for people that have had abduction experiences and stuff she's been running that for about 30 years or more, a lovely lady Brenda Butler. Anyway, she had um, a little gadget with her. This little gadget was a little Sony Walkman cassette deck. But it was a unique one. Well, it had record, so you could actually just tape record sound with it. It wasn't just a playback one for when you're taking the dog for a walk to listen to your favourite cassette. Um, <laughs> that's you could that's have a, a, bit of a, and you- a bit of a road trip down there going to the cassette it, days, it, mate. Yeah, yeah, well, they're coming back. You know, a lot of people still use them. Um, tapes, you know. Anyway, 
this thing had a record button so you could record people, record a conversation or whatever. But it had another unique feature. In playback mode, you could select forward or reverse playback. Now, that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, And why would that be interesting? Well, because we've all heard, you know, about these songs where these heavy metal bands would have these satanic messages hidden in the songs. Yeah, yeah. That would make people go and commit suicide and things like that. Uh, There was a law case about it, wasn't there? Some some band was... uh, Accused of creating a menace in society where kids were suiciding because they've been listening to this heavy metal music, and when they played the music backwards, uh, you know, there's all these horrible messages. Well, anyway, um, this explains that. What we've discovered explains that. Now, Brenda said, "Let's try that, George. Here," and she put the microphone right into my mouth, under my face, and said, "Here, say something." And I, I was right on, on the spot, and there's all these UFO researchers in the backyard, you know, and it was this beautiful sunny day. And I just said, well, okay, um, look, I just went to a UFO conference in New South Wales, had a really good time, met a lot of researchers, and I gave a talk about Victorian cases. I had a really good time. It was great. And that's all I said, something like that. But as I was saying that I gave a talk about you about Victorian cases... A different thought went through my mind, but I didn't say it. The thought that went through my mind was, I thought I was going to be nervous. But I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, I had a really good time. I gave my talk and everything. And when we reversed the tape, there was a lot of gobbledygook speaks just backwards. It didn't make any sense. But you could clearly hear me say, I thought I would be nervous. It came out clearly. And I thought, hang on, you guys. I'm going, what? I didn't say that. It was only a thought while I was talking. It was a thought in my mind, but it came out when we played the tape backwards. Now, that is insane. That is insane. What what goes through your mind when you've just experienced something like that? Because you, for me, I always thought the, the reverse messages on music and things like that was all just this kind of buzz thing in in kind of the zeitgeist in popular culture but you've done something here that not wasn't reverse it wasn't your 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 words backwards it was your thoughts played back in reverse my thoughts came out forwards when they were played backwards yeah how did i think it backwards i wasn't aware of it but just think about it for a minute your mind is a language center you have thoughts in your mind and when your vocal cords are running and you're making sounds, so they're being projected like Bluetooth through airwaves and other people pick, can pick it up. That in itself is a miracle, really. It's like technology. But the thing was, think about your vision. Your brain sees everything up the right way, but the eyes are actually upside down. Yep. The vision in the back of your eyes is actually upside down, but your brain turns it around. Um, I can't understand how this works, but... It clearly said, I thought I would be nervous. I've actually contacted Brenda recently and I said, look, have you still got that tape thing? She said, yeah, 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 I've still got it. Have you still got the tape? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, they're at her daughter's place. I said, oh, look, please, please, I've got to get that tape from you. I've just got to make a copy of that bit when you got me to say that so yeah. I can show people. But look, I have some samples of some reversals that we can listen to tonight. Um that I, I don't know if I play them here, you'll be able to hear them? Well, what we'll do is we probably won't be able to hear them if you play them, but if you send them to me, I'll be able to insert them into the into the episode, yeah. and if, I could do that. We, in the chat bit, I could do them here. You'll be able to insert them. Look, they're not very long, and they're very, very... You'll hear very clearly, and, and they're fascinating things. What, what happened was um, I got built chalker to, to give me a copy of his interview with Laurie Ryder in Coonabarabran now there's three different people that Laurie talks about but he doesn't say the name and you can't investigate a case you can't do anything if you don't have a name to go by so I really this was years ago um, and I did know about this when I started writing the book but I couldn't put it in the book because nothing was verified uh, but I'll explain that in a minute. But what happened was, using logic, I just thought, now look, the point 
where Laurie was most likely to mention the farmer's name was the point on the recording where he's describing the guy but not saying the name. So I found that part of the tape and I played it backwards. Straight away, a name popped up. It that's, was very clear. That's unbelievable. And what, what Laurie was saying in forwards motion, what Laurie was heard to be saying, he's describing this guy. He said, oh, the best, he said, it's right at the beginning. He says, well, the most interesting one of the lot is this farmer. He came into the shop. He came up to the shop. He got off his little motorbike. He's riding a little ag bike. And he says, brr, brr. You know, they look like little sewing machines. And he got off his motorbike and he came into the shop. So he's just describing, but he's not saying the name. And where the, he says he came into the shop and he, just that section, reversed, says Ian Bryson. You're joking. Ian Bryson. And I, on the tape, I've slowed it down and then slowed it down. So it's Ian Bryson, Ian Bryson, Ian Bryson. You can hear it very clearly. It is unbelievable. And so we have found, by reversing that tape, we have accessed the inner thoughts of a guy who died about 20 years ago. It's insane, but it's the same thing that happened to me when I was at the barbecue. Do you have access to to that audio? I've got that's the clip I wanted I wanted to play for oh, you to be able to play. Excellent. Well, what I'll do um, is I will I'll insert it right here into the episode. So yeah. if uh, if anyone's uh, watching or listening this, uh, this is the point where that will play. Well, the most interesting one of the lot is this farmer that came into the shop and he pulled up outside on one of these little ag bikes, you know, like sewing machines, and into the shop and he, in it, 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 I've tried to find this Ian Bryson now, and I haven't been able to verify it, so I didn't put it in the book, all right? But recently, last August, um, I did this TV program. I was invited to do this thing for Channel 7 about the Vintage case, and it was before I'd even put the book out too. Um, So that was a a lost opportunity (laughs) to get it out there. But anyway... um, I was interviewed for three hours and I mentioned Laurie Ryder in that interview. So because it was coming on TV and I hadn't seen the episode yet, I texted Laurie's son, Lance. Now, Lance um, doesn't live in Coonabarabran anymore, but I have spoken to him in the past and I've asked Lance, do you remember your dad talking about this farmer down in Adelaide who had a UFO with a, an airplane stuck on it? Um and he said he didn't re- he didn't know anything about it. He never used to pay much attention to his dad and his funny stories, kind of thing. You know, he didn't. He was a young kid then, and he didn't pay much attention. But I texted him, and um, I said to him, "Look, um, I think that I did mention your dad, and so he, he could be on TV. We might be talking about your dad on TV." And I said, "Oh, well, have a look." Um, and it was on one of those Channel Seven, uh, one of those digital Channel Seven channels, uh, and it was called. Close Encounters Down Under, that series that was on about six weeks ago. Yep. And I was in episode two, rushed home from work because I had to work that night, just rushed home to be able to get it on the, on the hard drive and record it. Had to buy a new hard drive recorder to even get it because the old one broke down. Anyway, so <clears throat> he texts me straight after the show and says, oh, they didn't say anything about the airplane scene on the ground at Murray Bridge later in the day. They didn't even talk about that. I said, no, 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 they didn't. No, they didn't. And then I said to him, oh, I texted him back and I said, hey, listen, on the tape, um, it sounds like your dad said the name Ian Bryson, right, was the farmer. And he goes, oh, yeah, Ian was a, was a friend of my dad's. Yeah, that was a, a friend of my dad's went by that name. He said, wow. he, said he was a farmer up here. Um, my dad knew him really well. He said, I even knew him too. Um, our, our kids played together. And he said, I even bought a car off it. Wow. And then he said, and I think he's the guy you're looking for. That's unreal. So not only did you get the name from the tape, but you've essentially got first-hand knowledge being passed to you of... From the, 
from the son of the guy on the tape. Yeah. That he knew the bloke as well, and he was called Ian Bryson, and he was up there at Coonabarabran, but he had come from down south somewhere, but he didn't know exactly where, but it was from Murray Bridge. So we've got confirmation of the name. Now, Ian Bryson could be alive. It was a long time ago, 45 years ago this year. I mean, Ian, Ian could be long gone. Uh, pe- things happen to people. They have accidents. They get killed. Uh, they just die of old age. He could be in a nursing home. I don't know. I, I don't know enough people in Coonabarabra. Now, this lady has helped me, um, this Sarah Lockwood, who you got me in contact with, um, or she got in contact with me. But we haven't been able to. Her father can't remember the name. Ian Bryson doesn't ring any bells with him. Um, but somebody at Coonabarabra might remember it. But he's he come up from down south somewhere and we moved into Coonabarabra. I don't know how long he stayed, but Lance told me that he lived in a place called Three Hills, which is just a little bit out of town from Coonabarabra, Three Hills. He said there was a lot, a lot of bushfires about 10 years ago that went through there, and he wasn't sure, but he thought um, Ian Bryson's house could have burned down. Or, you know, he, could have been, he could have died in the fires or something. We just don't know. We don't know what became of... Ian Bryson, or he could still be alive. We don't know. It's really hard to 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 investigate. Really, at least we've got confirmation of the name. Yeah, but it's all so long ago that it might be just it might not amount to anything anyway. But at least we know. Okay, now there's another guy on the tape that Laurie talks about but doesn't say the name. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Um, sort of part two of this this weird story about seeing the UFO with the plane stuck on it. Part two is that this farmer, Ian, Bry- Ian Bryson, went into town that afternoon for whatever reason. He went into town and a neighbour saw him and said, oh, I see you're doing a bit of crop spreading, some more crop spreading. And I think he meant crop dusting because all the farmers do their own crop dusting. You know, they hire a plane, they do the d- crop dusting, and then they the plane they don't have to own the aeroplane. Anyway, uh, Ian says no, and so the neighbour says to him, "Well, what's the Cessna doing in your top paddock?" Now, this is one of the strangest conversations I've ever heard of. These two guys are talking. One says, "What's the Cessna doing in your top paddock?" He says, "There's no Cessna in my top paddock." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy says, yes, there is. I was down there this morning and I seen it. <laughs> this sounds just like a typical old bloke conversation. <laughs> it's just so funny. There's no Cessna in my top. He says, well, that's strange. So he went home. Uh, he said, well, I'll check it out when I get home. And he had several locked gates he had to get through to get up to the top area where they have the landing strips, where they do their crop dusting from. He said, and there was no aeroplane there, but there was tie marks in the grass and he followed these tie marks and at the end there was a, a pool of sump oil on the ground. How and weird. that's the end of the lorry rider story about that particular case, right? So that leads you to the quick, well, what the hell went on there? I mean, the farmer saw the thing fly away with the plane still stuck on it and it went over towards the army base. But then his neighbour says to him, um... Says to him, yeah, look, uh, what's the Cessna doing in your top paddock? All right? Pretty bizarre. Well, anyway, I thought, now, he's describing another guy here and not selling us the name. I wonder who this was. So I've got the tape 
I'm just using Audacity, you know, you can highlight an area and just hit reverse and then play it backwards, you know, and Audacity's magic. So anyway, I've got <laughs> this where he says um, uh, about the Cessna being in the top paddock. Um, so he says, so what's the Cessna doing in the top paddock? Um, so he says, I, I see you're doing some more crop spreading. And he goes, No. He says, well, what's the Cessna doing in your top paddock? Play that backwards. And he says, he says, that's Phil Wilson. That's Phil Wilson. Comes out clearly. That's Phil Wilson. He said, no. He said, what's the Cessna doing up in your top paddock? He said, what's the... What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Now, I thought, well, he must have had a neighbour called Phil Wilson. So I googled the name Phil Wilson of South Australia or of Murray Bridge. Guess what comes up? Father Phil Wilson, Catholic priest at um, Murray Bridge at that time. In that era, Phil Wilson, he went on to become the Archbishop, possibly of Australia or of South Australia or whatever. He was the Archbishop eventually. Now, towards the end of his his um, his his career, um, somebody who was one of the other priests in the area was accused of. Um, you know, a bit of kitty fiddling with the altar boys and stuff. Uh, and so there was a lot of controversy about that, and he had to stand down. Um, he thought he was saying that in supporting... He, he, I don't know. He was. I think he was accused of covering up the fact that mm. this was going on. He didn't do enough about it, so he was in a bit of trouble at the end of his life. Uh, and he died a couple of years ago. Now, when I first came across that he was a Catholic priest, I thought, oh, no, no, no. It would have been, there must have been the other Phil Wilson that lived down there who was just a farmer, you see. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, it could, it could have lived near him, you know, he could have been in a neighbouring area. Yeah. You never know. And then it struck me. Just imagine seeing it from the farmer's point of view. Imagine he's a Catholic. He's a, you know, believes in God and he goes to church on Sundays and he's a, he's a, he's a staunch Catholic. And he's, it's a Sunday morning, he has to, he should be in church, but he's, he's, he's got to get his harvesting job done. And he has seen this thing hovering above him. There's an aeroplane stuck on it. He thinks it's the end of the world, perhaps. The thing is making a hell of a funny noise. Um, and there's an aeroplane stuck on it, and there could be somebody uh, at great risk. The pilot could be stuck in that plane and can't get away, and he's trapped. You know, that, what's going on? So I don't think he just happened to go into town the afternoon. He went to see his priest. He's had this shock, and he's gone to see the priest to tell him. That makes sense to me. And suddenly I thought, well, maybe it was. Maybe he did go to see the priest. Now, if the priest, if Phil Wilson was still alive, he probably wouldn't be allowed to tell you the story because of, you know, confidentiality. Like yeah, of course. People have confessions and stuff. Yep. Um, but I reckon the farmer could have been shocked with the back teeth by what he saw and, and gone to his priest to, to tell him. He wouldn't tell, call the police. He's like, look, there's a flying saucer and there's an aeroplane stuck on it. Um, the police would um, probably come and um, take you away to the loony bin, you know. Oh, especially back then. And the the thing is, like, we, we really don't know what... Ian Bryson's worldview was or anything like that. He could have been, uh, like you said, he could have been a, a super, like, dedicated religious man. And this is something yeah. that breaks all the rules of what religion says should exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, that that's my theory anyway. So I've, I had to write a, a final chapter to the book, which I haven't added to the book yet. And it, and it, a brand new photograph of the missing plane came up to it straight after I published it. And that's a really nice photograph of uh, the plane down at Turidan Airport in Victoria when it was brand new in 1968, the brand new, brand new plane. Um, 
the photo was taken by a guy who was flying it at the time, a guy called Cam Care, who is still alive. He's, he's getting on there. Anyway, um, I digress. But this, this is a fascinating story. And now, there's another person that Laurie talks about on the tape but doesn't mention the name, another one. So I thought, oh, well, he had a good go so far. We're going to try another one. Um, he describes um, the registration number of the plane. This is VHDSJ. He couldn't remember it in the interview. He didn't say what the registration number was. But he said, look, he said, I've got a friend who's a commercial pilot. And he said, and all commercial pilots get a list of airplane registration numbers. He said, now I asked my friend, he still, he doesn't say who he is, but I asked this friend of mine if he could find out something about that registration of this missing plane. What happened was um, they reissued that registration number to another aeroplane years after Fred wasn't, you know, the plane was never found, and they reissued that registration number, which is VHDSJ, Delta Sierra Juliet. So, any, anyway, Barry says, oh, so um, he's this commercial pilot friend of his looked up and found out that it's now the registration number for an aeroplane down in Victoria, which is an Oster aircraft. Now, you know the Tiger Moth? An Oster looks like the Tiger Moth, but with one wing. But the top wing, it looks like the Cessna, but it's made out of um, uh, made out of timber. Uh, it's one of those wire and timber frame things with cloth on the outside, and they, they paint it with dope. Just like a model aircraft, the dope stiffens it up and it becomes, you know, airworthy, but it's material, you know, it's cloth. Mm. The wings and the body. But it, it's like a Tiger Moth, but with, it looks like a Cessna. All right, very light aircraft, you know. Well, I found out, I can't remember how I found this out now, but I did some running around and searching and I found out that it was there was a guy who used to be working circuses around Australia and his name was Gypsy Mick, right? And he bought this old Oster and he restored it and then he got it registered and that, that was the one that ended up with the name DSJ on it. And I have a photograph of that, the Oster with DSJ written on it, which is still out there now as a registered aircraft. So, yeah, it's no big deal or anything, but Laurie seemed to have a funny idea that there was something fishy going on there. Why would they have re-registered another plane with that number? But they did. It's just a matter of history. But I've tracked this guy, Gypsy Mick, down. I rang him up about 10 years ago, and he said, oh, yeah, I've still, I think he still had the Oster at that time, uh, but he was thinking of selling it. And he said um, he pulled the engine apart and they completely rebuilt the engine. Uh, to restore that plane and they did all the instruments and they fixed everything up and got it road airworthy again and then in the background his wife is yelling out and I did all the sewing <laughs> <laughs> as she would have because um, there was a lot of sewing involved in, in putting those airplanes together you know they had to make new cloth for, for the for the wings and the body and that had to be all sewn together and put on the aircraft and then um, painted with dope and everything to make it airtight or watertight and to make it tight, so, like a drum. So I'm glad I had that conversation with uh, Gypsy Mick. Gypsy Mick is, uh, I can't remember his proper name. But anyway, um, but he, I've got this photograph of, of his plane and it's his DSJ now. So anyway, so that was verified. That's another thing Laurie said that was verified. But he didn't tell us who... Uh, this commercial pilot's name was. So I went to the tape, and right on the tape where the where Laurie is saying, and it's now on an Oster, play it backwards, and he's again he says that's like he said he said that's Phil Wilson. This one he says he says that's Simon Lanston, and, and see what he could find out about it. And it's now on an Oster, and it's now on an Oster. That's Simon Lanston. I've never heard of the surname Alanston ever before, but it's it's not it's not unusual, I guess, that it could be an Alanston as a surname. So I googled Alanston 
I'm from South Australia. And guess what came up? A reference from a, an Australian government gazette, which was talking about um, companies that had existed that were being deregistered because they had expired or whatever. And it was a, a Lanston Aviation Services. And he was a commercial pilot. Mm, that's very... There's there's a lot of strings that connect here, isn't there? Just... Uh, that blew me away. Yeah, wow. And yeah. I, so, I, I find it so amazing that yeah. you've you've essentially had three home runs using this, this kind of reverse speech or this reverse yeah. play method yeah, just from yeah. the one interview. And... Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, they, they, you've got to look at this. Like, I, I'm always very skeptical about things like this, but you've done the research, you've so looked into it, and everything's yep. kind of just working out. It's, it's kind of weird. And I mentioned before that Bill had this phone call with Laurie before he went up there, and I've got the tape of that phone call, and I played back the part on that where in that conversation, Laurie said, Oh, and it's now on an Oster. He said that again there, and it still comes back as uh, that's Phil Wilson. Wow, it's now on an Oster. That's Phil Wilson. No, no, not Phil Wilson. That's Simon Lanston came out. Yeah, Simon Lanston. So I had to go back and listen to the entire interview about ten minutes <laughs> or something, uh, and it's all gobbledygook except for the names. Yeah, really. Just the names popped into his mind. At the right point, because that's when it would. When you're t- telling the story about somebody, but you're not saying the name, the name will go through your mind, and it's on the tape in every case. You know, it's I, amazing. I would say, like, this could have been just really dumb luck, or you know, oh George, maybe you're you're hearing things, or like maybe you're 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 projecting a name into to what you're hearing here. But you'll hear what, it clearly on the tape what, for yourself. But when it happens I've three. When it happens three times in a row, that's three home runs, isn't it? Yeah. Like you said, yeah, yeah, it's astonishing, and it and for me to have experienced it myself anyway. That's why I tried it. Um, the guy who who discovered this was a guy called uh, David Oates. He's from South Australia, um, and he got involved with um, the CIA in America, and I, I think they tried to shut him down because they started using it. I, I think they've used this. Um, to in criminal cases where um, an accused person is asked a question and they've lied, but when they've played the tape back, they're actually saying, well, "I'm not telling you." That <laughs> things like that, you know. So it, it's it's pretty freaky. It really is freaky. But it, something's to do with how our brain works, how language works. Um, one of the theories that are, that came up was that when we're learning language, when we're babies and we're learning to speak. If you get a baby, this just sounds like they're babbling, but if you play that backwards, it comes out like normal speech. Like you talk backwards first before you talk forwards. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, but, you know, it's, it's, it's truly mind bending this, this kind of conversation because I, I would not have thought that this, tapes getting played backwards would lead to such tremendous outcomes for for this mystery and the fact yes. that you've gone through you've found these people you've had multiple multiple people kind of um confirm that no these these are real people i've spoken to yes. them they've i've had yes. interactions with them yes. it, it, it really must just leave you kind of sitting there in awe of how how other many other mysteries you could potentially dive into with this type of method? Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, uh, th- this guy David Oates started getting old tape recordings of previous presidents giving speeches, and he was playing them all backwards and, and hearing what they were really. You know, there's several <laughs> cases like, you know, if <laughs> I wonder, I didn't try this one. If you have got Bill Clinton saying, "I did not have sex with that girl." <laughs> And mind buggles what he might have been saying, thinking when he said that. Absolutely. Yeah, but she gave me a good time. <laughs> yeah. And I'll do it again. Yeah. And the, you know, politicians will say, oh, we're going to clean this mess up. And then they're really saying, no, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I, yeah. I think I think you've really opened up a, a, a 
massive rabbit hole here, George, and I think a lot of listeners are going to go back and start playing a lot of episodes potentially backwards to to hear what guests are saying or who even knows like where this is going to go for for UFO experiences going forward. Yeah, who knows? Now, the other thing about these rock and rollers, you know, these heavy metal guys that put these negative um, messages... They're just having a bad day, and the thoughts gone through their mind while they were singing. Yeah, and you play it back as you hear it. Yeah, you know. Um, there was one other thing that Laurie said on the tape. It was all gobbledygook except for the names. There was only one other little tiny bit, which didn't have any relevance to anything. It just sounded like Laurie said at one point. He said, "That's my fault. That's my fault." Oh, what? And I don't know what he was thinking. Why it wasn't relevant to anything else. It just clearly said, that's my fault. So he had that thought for some reason. Maybe he was looking at someone fixing a a muck-up or something like that, and he's like, oh, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I don't know. But the funny thing was, um, the first one where he says Ian Bryson, he just says Ian Bryson. But the other two, in both cases, he says that. He says, that's Phil Wilson, and he says, that's Simon Lanston. Like he's reminding himself that yeah. that's who they were. Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what that sounds like. Like, he's talking about it and he goes, yep, that's Joe Smith, that's John Doe. It's, it's really I'm interesting. I'm not a psychologist, but that would make sense to a psychologist, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It's kind of like, know. that's an internal narrative. He's just talking to himself about, this is what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. It is... It is very mind-blowing to, to have these types of conversations where they... You think this is just over the hill type of content? Doesn't no one would really take that seriously? But you've actually taken this, run with it, and got some genuinely serious results. You've got people who've interacted with these these uh, the names of these people, and I'm I'm really interested to see if the the listeners of our show where they kind of go with this because it was amazing how this thread kind of unraveled from the the previous episode. It'll be interesting to see if anyone's got any interactions with these other individuals. Even if someone comes up and says, look, um, I'm, I'm Ian Bryson's son. Yeah. I remember the story. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've got a photo of the tractor with the original number scratched on it. I can send you the photo. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be great. Wouldn't that That'd be amazing? Be <laughs> but none of, none of this is going to help Fred or get Fred back. We don't know where the plane is. I'd love to know mm. what happened to the plane. Where did it end up? You know, is it on a, in another solar system somewhere, or is it dumped in a forest somewhere? We just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Know? And it's but really it's in- interesting. It is, and it, the the thing that I find quite interesting is like the the priest said he saw the. He saw the plane on the top of the paddock, and I wonder if he saw the plane disconnected from this UFO at that point, or if it was maybe just his perspective kind of playing tricks on him on how it looked. Well, I I got the impression from what Laurie was saying was just that the the neighbour was asking him, why have you got a Cessna at the moment if you're not doing crop spinning? You know, why is it there? Yeah. You know, and he said, well, I haven't. He said, what, yes, you have, I saw it. I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. But look, um, the other other thing is, um, yeah. Um, so if you've if you've been thinking that um, heavy metal rock and rollers are really evil people, well, they might have had an evil thought while they were singing, but that's that's just what happens. Yeah, it wasn't nobody. I mean, how would you engineer it as a sound engineer? How would you engineer a hidden message backwards in a song? You you, you wouldn't know where to start. No, not how at could all. You do that? Not you know? at all. And for it to even sound good playing the normal way, playing forwards. For you not yeah, to be able a, to pick it up, it's yeah. I think it's, it's a thought artifact that's been picked up. That's what I believe. Oh, that's it's not not intentional. That's a that's a really good way to to word it. You know, they're not. It's not reverse speech. It's a thought uh, artifact, and I, I think that's a yeah. really good way to to put that. Yeah, yeah. And um, the guy that um that, that discovered this started marketing these little Sony Walkmans with reverse playback. Yeah, <laughs> microphones. <laughs> I tell you what, if uh, anyone's got one of those at the moment, that'd be worth its weight in gold to to hang on and, and just try it out yourself. It'd be interesting to well, to see if any listeners of the show have had uh, similar experiences with that or uh, or not. But if you use Audacity, you can highlight any part of any speech and play it backwards. It's very yeah. easy. 
Um, Audacity is an amazing program. Absolutely, and it's free. You know, so for anyone listening, yeah. you can go get that app for free. It's 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 yeah. really powerful and it's quite brilliant. It's very very good. So really, that's it in a nutshell. That's basically all. Um, was there anything else I wanted to t- say to you? Um, uh, I don't know. But if anybody, um, if we can get, just get a few more little loose ends tied up, it'd be wonderful. I'd love to find, go somewhere and see this tracker. It's still sitting there in a paddock somewhere with DSJ scratched on it. I'd oh, love to see that. But I tell you what, it may never happen. It, you know, might but, not happen. But it may be out there. And I that's yeah. a that's a a genuine piece of UFO history right there. Oh, yeah. And well, I, yeah. I, I really do. I, I really hope we we find something that kind of leads us further down that trail. But um, oh. George, it's been such a pleasure having you on again, mate. It's always oh. fantastic to talk to you, and I'm really it's my pleasure, mate. I've enjoyed it. It's good. Yeah, and I'll have people get a kick out of this. Yeah, I, I think they will. I think they will. I don't really? think people would expect this type of episode from <laughs> from I guess us. Uh, but I tell you what, it, it's super. Yeah, yeah. It's super mind opening, and uh, you know, it like like I said earlier, it's opened up a lot of possibilities for a lot of names, and yeah. uh, it'll be it'll be really cool to see if the uh, the listening public has any connections to those people. It's the only sad thing. I, this is what I was thinking was in the back of my mind. Stanton Friedman was talking about when he was researching all the witnesses for the Roswell incident, and he was writing the book, The Roswell Incident, many, many years ago. He said that there were a lot of people that were still around that had witnessed it happening back in the 1940s. He said his research was a race against the undertaker. Yeah. And yeah. how true is that? Because, you know, here we've got these names now, but they're probably not around anymore. Yeah. This yeah. is a real shame. But if anybody or any of their relatives, any relative of Ian Bryson, um, Phil, Father Phil Wilson, or, um, yeah, that's Phil, yeah, Phil Wilson, or Simon Lanston, somebody must have known Simon Lanston, you know, who was a commercial pilot and had some sort of business in aviation, said something about, um, buying and selling airliners, airline companies being bought and sold. Um, but it was Simon Alanson had something to do with that. If anybody knows any of that stuff or can verify any of it, yeah. even anonymously, just to verify it, yeah, uh, that'd be very helpful. But it, that's um, that's about all. Yeah, that no. sort of wraps it up. I think it. I think it's a really good way to wrap it up. And George, what I'll do is I might put your your email in our show notes. So if anyone's um, interested in contacting you, maybe they can jump in the show notes and shoot you an email directly if you're uh, if you're open to that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Aussie piece from Gmail. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you again, mate. And I know you you had the hernia surgeries and they they just kept yeah. popping up out of nowhere. So you've uh, crazy. <laughs> you've struggled through, and I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal in UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you.